Welcome to another Cricket Scotland podcast. I'm Jake Perry. In this edition, I'll be taking a look at the latest round of Cricket World Cup League Two, where Scotland enjoyed mixed fortunes against the UAE and USA. A record of one win, two losses and a no result means Scotland ends the year in second place in the table, three points behind the USA, who defied recent form to consolidate their position at the top. Earlier in the week, I caught up with the journalist Gary Heatley to chat through the ins and outs from Scotland's perspective, and we began by discussing what was ultimately a frustrating series of games for the national side. Yeah, I mean, I think from that, just that round in its isolation, I think the guys will be pretty disappointed with, with how they performed. Um, you know, they went in there in quite a high, obviously, with the recent T20 results and things, but just didn't seem to seem to quite fire, fire last week, and I think... Um, yeah, the USA played pretty well in that in that game. Um, the UAE as well. I just think different parts of the team didn't quite click on on the same days. And you know, there's obviously the there's obviously talent there, and the, the squad is widening at the minute. So that's that's the good thing. But uh, I think in general, you know, Shane and the guys, it'll leave them a lot to sort of think about heading into twenty twenty. Yeah, I guess consistency is always the the magic ingredient in any in any sports team at, a, at at any level do you think that it's that that's that's lacking just now that we're getting these these bursts in particular games for example that fantastic opening stand between between Matt Cross and Carl Kutzer in the last match mm. um, but it's then following through it's the the consistency throughout the performance yeah I think so and I guess you know as I've always said people think one day cricket's short 50 overs is a long a long long time and things can change a lot and I think it's just that ebb and flow, and I think maybe it's perhaps, as you talk about, when they had that great opening stand, they then didn't, the other batsmen didn't kick on and, and cash in to get a big score in that game. In other games where the, the bowlers kind of came to the party, the batters maybe didn't. So, yeah, it's just trying to put those, as people always talk about, the three facets together in one game, and I guess that's um, what every what every team's looking for. We've, we've seen the team do it before. They obviously can do it. Um, and, you know, let's not forget, USA are obviously a team on the rise, UAE on, on home turf, um, well coached. You know, all these teams are good teams. There's no, there's no easy games. And I think as Shane mentioned in a recent piece, you know, Scotland are kind of the one of the teams to be to be shot at at that level. Teams see Scotland as a big scalp to take. So, you know, teams are taken to the field really wanting to, to beat the guys, which is, you know, is good and testament to where we are. Um, so, yeah, that consistency, I guess, is what you're always looking for. And, you know, there's no doubt the guys have it in their locker to do it. It's just uh, perhaps a case of, of trying to do it more regularly. Yeah, so I mean, if we're looking back at then the the story of the tournament, that opening match uh, against the USA um, on the on the ninth of December in Sharjah, um, USA batting first, partnership of one hundred and forty between between Patel and Jones really was the the yeah. big part of them getting up to to that score of two eight two for eight. But Scotland looked to be kind of had things pretty much under under control in the chase. You know, half centuries from. From Callum McLeod and from Michael Jones, but it was that late collapse, two thirty-eight for five to two forty-seven all out. So that um, that thirty-five run loss in the end there for that opening match. Yeah, I mean, you know, two eighty these days is is probably par, even below par nowadays. And in one day cricket, so I think the, the guys were relatively happy trying to chase that. But um, you know, the big positive was yeah, Michael Jones' innings was obviously a, a really good one. He's he's coming into a bit of, bit of form of the team and looks like he's he's more settled at that level now. Um, but yeah, just to not be able to, to get it over the line, whether that's just uh, you know guys not guys not used to coming in lower down the order and having to finish things off, or whether it was just a case of you know some, it was some good bowling from from the opposition. But certainly they'll have been yeah I think that'll have left them left a pretty 
pretty bad taste in the mouth, given that they, yeah, they set themselves up nicely to, to chase that down and, uh, and couldn't quite get there. And I guess in the, the second match against USA as well, those fears of a, of a late batting collapse started to rear again, but we needn't have worried. 58 still required, nine and a half overs left, but uh, Safin Shreve and Josh Davey taking, uh, taking Scotland over the line there, cool as ice in the end. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, given what happened in that, in that first game with the sort of collapse later on, for those guys lower down the order who can clearly bat, I mean, Safian's open batting in club cricket, I think, and and, and Josh can, can definitely bat when he bats down south. So, yeah, for those guys to, to see at home and just show a bit of kind of uh, maturity and, you know, and not, not panic, which is always the thing when you get sort of lower down the order, perhaps, then, you know, shows that there is, we do bat very deep in the team. And if you look at, you know, a lot of the guys who are batting 7, 8, 9, 10, Club cricket and other levels have, have batted quite high up. So, so if they can get that that uh, balance right, and as those two guys showed, you know we do bat deep, and uh, yeah, that was a an important win to get after the opening defeat. And against the team that's shown itself to be, I guess the form team of cricket World Cup League Two so far, USA. I mean, quite a an extraordinary story around around USA at the moment. You know, an absolutely catastrophic campaign going into the. World T Twenty when they didn't get out of the the regional series, but that's what eight games played, six wins, only two defeats, yes. sitting uh, sitting clear at the top of the table. No, I mean I guess you know sport is is cyclical and you kind of um, always get a team that maybe rises up that people didn't expect to, but it's been been great to see really from the outside a, a team like USA, you know, doing what they're doing at the minute. I mean I think it shows, you know, they they often talk about a lot of sports in in the USA that if they can just catch catch fire, catch out of interest, then it will uh, you know, really take off and you know, perhaps cricket will now. I mean that's yeah, some some really some really interesting cricketers they've got on their team and some really big results they've had, especially bouncing back as you say from the the really quite bizarre uh, performance in the in T twenty qualifiers. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of kind of grow from here and also I guess how they you know, when they play games on home turf and when they perhaps travel next year, how they can keep this going. So um yeah, it's gonna be a, an interesting kind of growth of that team as well. Yeah, most definitely. And um, and then, of course, to Scotland's final two matches, both against UAE, the first one washed out. Mm. Um, I read on Twitter somewhere that someone put that something like, uh, I think they get four days of rain a year in that part <laughs> of the world. And, of course, one of them happened to coincide with Scotland play. Yes. And the other game was... Uh, was slightly was slightly rain affected as well, although thankfully not mm. in terms of um, the number of overs uh, available for once anyway. Um, but I mean Scotland, as we alluded to before, that absolutely rip roaring sc- uh, start with 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 Cross and Kutzer putting on one hundred and thirty eight for the first wicket, um, ninety five from the from the skipper, fifty three from uh, from Matt Cross. Um, but then again, we had that uh, we had that kind of falling away in the order. So from what one three eight uh, for one, as I say, to to two twenty all out was it was uh, again a bit disappointing with the bat. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's when you've got a, a long opening stand. I guess you know when guys come in below that, it might take a, a couple overs to sort of get used to used to the condition of the face of the ball. But you need to really now just kick on straight away, and you know, an opening stand of that kind of magnitude, you'd expect to be getting up towards three hundred, I guess, um, with the batting lineup that we have below that. So you know, obviously the some other guys just had a bit of a bit of an off day with with the bat, and you know even if they could have got up to maybe two, two eighty, you know, would have really made it a tough a tough chase for the UAE. But two twenty, you'd have leaving the field at half time. The UAE would have been the team with their heads, their heads kind of up and they're kind of uh, 
you know, a team in the ascendancy rather than the other way around. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think the guys will have been, yeah, disappointed to, to not kick on from that great start. Yeah, it was that that run out of Dylan Budge. I remember mm. the, you know, with the, the bowler brushing yes. the ball onto the, the stumps of the non-strikers and you just see things like that and you think, oh, this is just not, this is not our day-to-day. Yeah, and just to touch on that briefly, you know, Budge coming back into the setup is an interesting one because he's kind of been in and out of the, the setup since he since he played against England last year. Mm. I still think he's got a you know a hell of a lot to offer that that's that side and um, perhaps batting a, a bit higher up the order. So it'll be interesting to see what his role is going forward. But it was yeah, it was good to see him good to see him back in the mix. But yeah, that was a that was a very unfortunate moment. Talking of other positives as well, uh, um, Michael Jones had a terrific competition. Yeah, no, he's absolutely uh, looked looked really. Uh, Really compact, really confident at that level now, which is, which is good. I guess it's, it takes all players a bit of time to, to get their, to get their role in the team, especially when there are a lot of experienced players around them who you know have been in the team for many years and they have to kind of find their niche and their role. But he seems to really be a big part of that squad now, and yeah, you can see him kicking on and being part of the top order for, for many years to come. Yeah, really, really solid, solid role. And then of course with the bowlers as well. Answer to him, Mark. What still at the top of the top of the charts with thirteen and twelve wickets, uh, yeah. respectively. Again, they they did no harm to their their burgeoning reputations at all. Absolutely, I think if you know talking of sort of calendar years, if you look at Hamza's Hamza's year that he's had, I mean, he must be, you know, he's been absolutely flying, and he's really taken to taken to international cricket really really well. I mean, it's it's one thing taking a lot of wickets in club cricket, but to to step up and do what he's done, and you know, he really seems to be learning all the time and just. Uh, you know, I think him and him and him and Mark have formed quite a nice uh, a nice partnership, and they obviously help each other out. You know, Mark's still pretty young. I think he's twenty two, twenty three, but he's been around a long time now, and um, you know, played a lot of a lot of top level cricket. And I think, yeah, that that sort of spin attack for for Scotland is is really good going forward. So that's the twenty nineteen season just about wrapped up there, I guess. So um, looking back over it, looking forward to 2020. Um, how do you assess then where where things are to the national men's team just at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I think when, when Shane Burner came in, sort of just before the summertime, it was a, you know, players have talked about it, Shane's talked about it, it's a massive, a massive shift from, from Grant Bradburn, a different character, a different um, way about him, a different way of coaching, I guess. So that, you know, a lot of those guys had grown up with Grant and I guess that takes a bit of time, but there was only positive noises coming out coming out about Shane and what he was bringing, bringing to the party. And uh, it was just very unfortunate in the summer that you know, a few of his first games were, were completely washed out and that kind of didn't let them get any momentum. But you know, since then, the team spent a lot of time together, whether training or um, out in various tournaments, various different events, and, and one-day cricket anti-20. And I think they've, you know, there's a wider group now of probably 20 guys who are really, in both formats, really you know, a core group who are really pushing on. And yeah. It's massive, massive to qualify for the T Twenty World Cup next year. You know, obviously missing out on the fifty over World Cup in England this year just passed was was massive for the game on the pitch, but also commercially as well. You know, just for growing the game. I think now that there is this uh, competition coming up in October in Australia, you know, that gives everyone a sort of something to aim towards, something to build towards. And there's obviously you know these massive, massive games with Australia and New Zealand in, in June as well, which will come around quicker than we. We can imagine. So, yeah, I think there's been ups and downs this year in the last sort of half a year under Shane. But I think with him bringing in Grant Morgan as assistant as well, you know, um, and sort of trying out some new players who have come in. Hamza Tahir, we've talked about, who's been very good. Um, there's been other guys who have dipped in and out, Adrian Neal and others. I think there's now, 
yeah, a bigger, wider core pool of players to pick from. And I think there's you know competition for places heading into those those games in the summer and the, the T Twenty World Cup. So, you know, what, and from what everyone's saying and from what Shane said, that you know they're all on the same page. There's a good culture there, so I think it's uh, it all goes well going forward. Yeah, I'd agree with with absolutely all of that. It's it's interesting you touched on it right at the start about the level of expectation, which is now so so different on the back of of the well the England result particularly you know seeing the the results that went against Scotland the reaction to them um, in in some quarters said a lot about the scrutiny and the expectation around the team which in many ways is it's I think it is a no no bad thing increased scrutiny has got to mean increased attention which can only be good for the for the development of the game and and I guess the the trick is learning to cope with that that, that Scottish yeah. cricket's in a, a position that it's not accustomed to to being absolutely and I think that's the it will always be the way with, with mainstream mainstream media if you lose a match and you expect to win you'll get more coverage than if you know you win games that you were expected to win and that's but as you say that comes with the territory of, of producing good results like the England result last year and other big results that we've had recently so I think the guys are, are more used to that now they, they're playing a lot more well, certainly in 2019 they put a lot more Top level games they did in twenty eighteen, and I think they're more, you know, there'll be nobody more annoyed than them to have lost those games last week. You know, I think they hold each other to account. I think it's much more a professional environment now, where you know these guys know that they've set standards and they can't dip below them. So I don't think, um, you know, a couple of odd headlines here and there will, will really get them. It's more internally they'll they'll want to they'll want to drive those standards and keep things keep things going. Um, so that's that's that is what happens when you. You're kind of doing well, I guess. You get more scrutiny, but I think the guys with the video coming up will be be kind of relishing that. Yeah, no, I I would agree totally. Just being around the squad, you can you can see that that there's there's no shying away from making tough calls and answering tough questions mm. um, um, at all. It's interesting, isn't it? The kind of the legacy, I mean, Grant Bradburn's legacy will always be that run of full member results. Mm-hmm. You know, that began with Sri Lanka and was through Zimbabwe into the the to the. T Twenty World Cup qualifier, or oh, no, it's like the World Cup qualifier, yeah. it's the old World Cup qualifier that we don't talk about, uh, <laughs> and then and then of course culminating in the in in the England game. But it's I think it's it's important that we don't lose sight of the fact that Scotland didn't win every match in that time. That we were still losing matches to yes. other associate teams. World Cricket League, for example, you know Scotland had it in in their hands to to win the World Cricket League, but. Losses to Namibia, losses to uh, well, Hong Kong, I remember, yes. uh, an earlier one, tough tour to PNG and so on. Um, I think it's important that those aren't, that those aren't glossed over. Man- Manchester City loses to Norwich. Yes. You know, and it, doesn't make, it doesn't make Manchester City suddenly, a, a, suddenly a, a bad team or not living up to their expectation. I think it's really important that we don't um, confuse expectation with uh, actual reality of of, of sport mm-hmm. uh, oh, essentially that's, that's right as you say I think you know people look at it sometimes in a very strange way I mean at the end of the day sport there's often two teams there there's a winner and a loser and the other team is not just turning up to make the uh, hmm. make up the numbers and I think in general the associate nations have all upped their game in the last two two yeah. three years with this with more of a structure now around where they can see their fixtures for the next two three years you know Obviously, it's still hard to get to the World Cups, but there is much more structure around what they're doing and a bit more infrastructure. And some of the coaches that are going to these 
so-called lesser nations now you know it's 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 game changing if you like and uh, yeah Scotland have no god given right to win any game either so I think that can only be good because every game you're playing is competitive there's no just turn up and let's bowl some overs and we'll win a game you know I think it's uh, that's good for the players and I think their mindset has changed in that respect that you know they know that every game's tough but also they know that they, they are good enough to win these games hmm. I'll be interested to it's interesting to speculate on how things might be different had the main internationals not been affected by the weather. Mm. You know, looking back, of course, we had two games against Afghanistan, two against Sri Lanka. Um, one of each was washed out. And you could argue a case in both matches that then went on, even though they were uh, DLS affected in the end, uh, for, for Scotland wins in either, particularly against, against Afghanistan. You know, how that would have changed the... The momentum at the start of Shane's reign yes. as, as coach. I think that's the thing. I think it did get off to a you know a slowish start. It was a real shame. Speaking to Shane throughout those days when he was standing there in the rain, mm. hadn't seen his players playing. You know they'd been training in gym halls and things, and then suddenly you just wanted to see them in action. They were really at, you know at a place where they wanted to play games, and they didn't really get a chance to. So it kind of yeah, that was a real shame, and then it maybe took a wee while for them to kind of get the, the identity under a new coach after that. But I think where they are now, and as I say, everyone that you speak to about, about Shane and about Grant Morgan coming in as well, is that these two guys are really pushing pushing the guys on, trying to take things to a new, to a new level, I guess, set, set different standards, set different um, agendas for what they're looking to do. And I think everyone seems to be buying into that. And you're seeing it with guys, you know, you might think guys like Kyle, Richie Bennington, we were thinking about perhaps, you know, retiring at some point but these guys look like they're you know they've almost reinvented themselves and they're going again so with with so much excitement to come in 2020 so it's uh, you know it's, it's great to see really and talking of 2020 of course just announced this week the fixtures against uh, against New Zealand and uh, and Australia to look forward to as well yeah I mean it's always it's always brilliant to have big summer fixtures in the bag I guess so people can really start to to get excited about that and build towards them and yeah to have those those two countries coming in a short space of time, I think in June will be will be absolutely brilliant. We can just again fingers crossed that the weather is uh, the weather plays ball because that's the one thing in Scotland can control. Fair play to to the guys of cricket Scotland for getting these these teams um, to come here, but also I think that shows the standing that Scotland now have um, in the game. You know to to be able to get both of those countries to come and um, and yeah, and we're not you know we'll be the underdogs in those games, but I wouldn't say we're Scotland will be nice, sort of scared going into those matches now. But before it was maybe just a, a day out, whereas now it's uh, you know they believe they can compete with these teams, and yeah. of course having beaten England last last summer, they've shown that they can. So yeah, that's going to be a a great kind of summer, and then you know that really sort of will signpost to move on towards the the T Twenty World Cup. So it's yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to be going to be a great year. It's funny, isn't it? You see a lot of posts on social media about it being the end of a decade looking back at a decade <laughs> if you look at the look at look at the state of scottish cricket 10 years ago to where it is now and it, we're, we're in territory that we mm. could only dream of and i guess that's the thing with everything everything's so fast moving in life that everyone wants what's the next thing and the next thing and the next thing sometimes you have to take a step back and look where were we two years ago four years ago six years ago you know things are always moving coaches change players change cultures change uh investment changes but yeah where they are now is, a, is an amazing place not just the men's team but the you know the women's team and, and the game in general really you know 
club cricket still has some issues to address, but I still think there's some some great clubs doing some great things out there. There's some great young players coming through from from youth sections, and yeah, I think the game, yeah, the world's moved on in ten years, but Scottish cricket really has moved on. And say to to have missed out on a World Cup, you know, in such tough circumstances last year, to then make it to the next one next year shows shows a real a real character in the group. And I think you know when they came back from the the fifty over qualifiers. A lot of the guys could have easily said, "Oh, I'm moving on now, I'm doing something else. We've got to get another career." But actually, that was more like a galvanising effect, not rather than the opposite. And I think made them realise we can play with these teams and we should be playing with these teams. We're not here just to to make up numbers. And I think that's that's been really uh, positive to see. And yeah, there has been a, a mindset change amongst amongst the squad. Really. Gary Heatley there. My thanks to him on this, our last Cricket Scotland podcast of 2019. As we were saying, there's plenty to look forward to in 2020, of course, with those big internationals on the horizon. And look out for plenty of extra features, too, as we celebrate Scottish domestic cricket in the bicentenary year of Kelso, its oldest club. But until then, on behalf of Ian Leggett and me, Jake Perry, a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thanks again for listening.